are glad you could join us today for the Concepts of Faith broadcast. This program is dedicated to teach you how to put the Word of God to work so that it will make a positive difference in the everyday circumstances of your life. And now, here's Charles Caps. Now we're in the ninth chapter of the book of Hebrews and we're talking about the Old Covenant and uh, the New Covenant in comparison there. We've talked about it. And let's start with verse 11. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of the building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now, I'll tell you, these are shouting words here. He has obtained eternal redemption for us, not by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own precious blood. Jesus obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot, to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Well, thank God it will. It'll even remove the very consciousness of sin. Jesus walked perfect and upright under the old covenant. We understand that from what we read in the scriptures because everything that Jesus did in the four gospels that's recorded there You know, sometimes we don't think about it, and for years I didn't understand it that way, but that was all done under the Old Covenant. All of that was done under the Old Covenant. Now, it's included in the New Testament, but there was a transition period going on. But all of the things that Jesus did there was done under the Old Covenant, the Abrahamic Covenant. And he anointed the twelve and sent them out to heal the sick to do all of the miracles there. And that was all done under the old covenant. But thank God we have a better covenant now. It's established on better promises. So Christ has obtained eternal redemption for us. Verse 15, For this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of transgression that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is no strength at all while the testator liveth. Now, I trust you understand what he's saying here. Let me put it in everyday English. See this New Testament here. If you look in the front of it, it says, The New Testament of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, actually, we could say the will the last will and testament of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a will. This is God's will. This is the will that Jesus died to set in motion. Now, the promises that are in here, these are in His last will. That is the will of God. Sometimes people get all confused and say, well, we just don't know whether it's God's will for us to prosper or God's will for us to be healed. Well, wait a minute. It's under the covenant. It's the will. That is the will. Like one brother I heard talking about over in Russia that said he was going to this prayer meeting and he was 
held in a secret place and they stopped him and asked him about where he was going. Well, he didn't want to lie about it. He said, well, my elder brother died and he said, we're going down there to read the will. Well, thank God that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the will of God. The will of Jesus left us. Now, what it says here in verse 16 and 17 is that no one's will is of effect while they live. Now, see, I have a will made out to my wife and to my children, and it's in the safe. It was made years ago, and it's updated ever so often to keep in line with the tax rules and regulations and different things that they pass down through the years. But you see, that will is not in effect now. It will only be in effect after I die. Because as long as I'm here, I govern my will. I mean, uh, this is the will. You see me, you see the will. (laughs) Because that's me. And it's telling us here that Jesus was the mediator of the new covenant. He's the one that drew up the will. And not only that, he died to set it in motion. Now, someone said it this way, and I think it's very good. They said that Jesus, the only fellow they knew that made out a will, died so it would go into effect. And then arose from the dead to make sure that it was carried out just like he said. And that's actually what Jesus did. He rose from the dead to make sure that his will was carried out. And verse 18 says, Neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. And he goes on and he names all these things. We're going to have to move fast if we're going to get through with this whole book here. So uh, just bear with me as we come on down here. Verse 23, It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are a figure of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entering the holy place every year with blood of others. In other words, Jesus don't have to do that. It's a once and for all deal. For then must he oft have suffered since the foundation of the world, or since the disruption of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He hath appeared once in the end of the world. In other words, there's only one time that it'll have to be done. That sacrifice is made. The last sacrifice that God will ever receive was offered when Jesus died on the cross. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ once suffered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Now, I think there's something interesting here that it would be good that we do take some time and look into. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Some of it's a little controversial, but now we just throw it out there and let you do what you want to do with it. There's some different ideas about it. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. In other words, it wasn't us that knew no sin. He made Jesus to be sin for us and Jesus who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, this was God's plan. This was God's direction. Now, someone says, well, it doesn't really mean that he was really made, he did not really become sin. Well, I will not belabor the point. Let's just read what it says. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, maybe there is some things in the Greek or Hebrew, the translation somewhere that's 
I've heard people say there was. I'm not convinced of it, but you can figure it out yourself. But yet, let's go into the Old Testament. And let's find out what it's referring to here. Because Isaiah had something to say about it. Let's turn there to Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. It's talking about Jesus taking away or bearing our sins. And he shall appear the second time without sin. See, there was a time that he bore our sins. Now, whether he was made to be sin or whether he just carried our sins, I won't argue the point. No need to argue the point. Let's just look at what Isaiah says here and look into it. In the 11th verse here. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Now, you know, however you want to say it, whether he became sin or just bore the sin, he bear our their iniquities, and the Hebrew word bear means to carry it away. He carried away our iniquities. Any way you look at it, thank God he got rid of them, didn't he? I mean, Jesus entered in once and for all, once and for all time. He'll not have to go and suffer anymore. He won't have to suffer. You know, the scripture says that if we've trodden underfoot the blood of Jesus and sinned willfully after that we have had the knowledge of what is right, there is no more sacrifice for sin. Well, what it's saying that Jesus is not going to offer another sacrifice. <laughs> the only one that's ever going to be offered has already been offered. Now, there's people that are always trying to offer something for their sins and trying to make up for it some way. Well, when you do that, you get back under the curse of the law because if you're trying to operate under the old law, you're under the curse. In fact, Paul went so far to say if you're trying to be justified by the law, he said you have fallen from grace. Now, that's strong when you say that the fellow's fallen from grace when he tries to be justified by the law. But now here's talking about bearing their iniquities. and In other words, he carried them away. Now, let's go into the Old Testament again, over to Leviticus. And let's see the sin offering that was made and how it came about, how they functioned under the Old Covenant there. Leviticus chapter 16, let's start with verse 5. He shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering, one ram for a burnt offering. Now, first of all, Aaron, the priest, he offered for his sins first. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell, and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him, and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. And see, this is giving you an Old Testament type of what is going to happen when Jesus becomes the sin offering. God bless you. I do appreciate you joining us for the Concepts of Faith broadcast. Now, this is the last day for CD offer number 7217. We've offered it all week. CD offer number 7217. Two CDs for $15 plus $4 postage and handling. It's entitled, The Others of Hebrews 11. When we talk about the Others of Hebrews 11, 
You know, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, it's called the Hall of Faith, where it says they subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, talks about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of these great people in the Hall of Faith, as we would say. And you know, the scripture says there in the very beginning of the chapter, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And under the new covenant, we have a better covenant. We have more promises. Someone said, well, you know, some of these were sawn asunder in the old covenant. It says the others of Hebrews 11, some escaped, some didn't. But you know, the apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above your able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it or to remain. Now, most people believe that it means God won't put more on you than you can stand. That's not what it's saying. God's not the tempter. He's not the one trying your faith. It's the devil. Paul is telling you that God will always make a way of escape of any temptation that comes your way. But sometimes people don't look for it. They just jump right into it. Like Paul did, said, I don't care. I'm going to Jerusalem anyway. Well, see, he got in a heap of trouble when he did that because the Holy Ghost had warned him about it. This series, the others of Hebrews 11, I believe will give you some insight. It's offer number 7217. Two CDs for $15 plus $4 postage and handling. A total of $19. The toll-free order line is 1-877-396-9400. Until Monday, this is Charles Caps reminding you that the enemy is defeated, God is exalted, and Jesus is coming soon. To order the product offered today, call 1-877-396-9400 or write Charles Caps, P.O. Box 69, England, Arkansas, 72046. A complete list of CDs, books, and DVDs are available online at charlescaps.com. Through the website, you can listen to this radio program again and subscribe to our podcast. This broadcast is sponsored by Charles Caps Ministries and our listeners in this area. Words working, but